Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us now. Let's get started. Why is it that so many relationships struggle with intimacy after the initial rush of sexual excitement? Once that's died down, are we doing something different here compared to what our ancestors did? You know, are there differences culturally that we need to adapt ourselves to? Today, we're joined by Dr. Patsy Britton, who was featured in 2022, and not only as a prolific author, academic, but also sought after speaker and trainer who has created over 40 couples uh, DVDs and is frequently featured all over the media, like Cosmopolitan, Men's Health, and uh, many, many other places. So firstly, Dr. Patsy, warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hi, Happy to be here. Hi. Great to have you with us. Great. We're excited to have a conversation. I, the first question I'd like to ask you is, what do you think are the factors that lead couples, particularly in long-term relationships, to get stuck or maybe not to have as fulfilling, intimate lives as they really want? When we deconstruct or look at what's blocking you as a couple, what's usually going on is all of it. <laughs> you know, usually there there's, there's mental stuff going on, like I should or performance anxiety, which we could talk more about later, or there's unhealed emotional wounds that get in the way, such as toxic shame, especially when we think about body and aging, which is my sweet spot. That's what I really enjoy working with. And, and then the physical part, the expectations that go along, and also where our energy is, where our health is at, and where the essence of our self is located. So when people's relationship isn't working, the, the, particularly the intimate parts of it, how does that impact on the rest of the relationship? How, how does it impact on other areas of the relationship? The sexuality as the core of self. So it's like a bullseye, right? Like you've got a bow and arrow shooting toward the bullseye. And the bullseye is the center of the sexual self and can be the center of the relationship dynamic. So mm, okay. from my perspective, as a sexologist, rather than a psychologist or a psychotherapist, by looking at the center of the bullseye and helping the client adjust the patterns that are not working, guess what happens? The circles, the concentric circles around that begin to also become more well. I'm going to say well. I'm going to say mm. toward healing because healing to me is wholeness. Being at one with yourself is healing and being at one with a partner should you have a partner because many people do not. So mm. when we're talking about couples, in many, many psychology research studies, what comes up is that communication is where the failure has occurred. And I think it's way bigger than that. <laughs> as beings, aren't we? You know, as human beings, yeah. we have multiple facets. We have, you know, physical aspects, spiritual, mental, and sexual. And you know, I, I think people's that you know the root cause of our wounds or our challenges or our patterns are not necessarily in just one of those areas. They can be in different areas, and they also interface. You know, ultimately, we're 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 complex beings. So there can be there can be breakdowns in multiple and complex different areas. So yeah, I'm really interested to explore the the sort of sexual wounds or sexual breakdowns that you come across and 
you know, how they manifest themselves. You know, how how would I know? Let's say I'm one of our listeners and thinking this is sounding familiar. Well, there's something here that I want to learn more about. How would I know that I've got a blockage or an issue or a wound in one of these areas that you've been describing? One of the things that I find to answer your question is here's a perfect example. Erections aren't working. Here's a perfect example. No orgasms during penetrative sex. Here's a perfect example. I have no libido whatsoever, no desire for sex. And we can think about the main, I mean, in my book, The Art of Sex Coaching, there are 46 clinical concerns that I talk about in that book, which is the textbook that I train people with, to look at where can you get stuck or blocked around your sexual pleasure, around your sexual wellness. And those are the two key words, sexual wellness. That's really my aim is to bring my client, my couples to sexual wellness or wholeness or happiness, even fulfillment. And then pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure is now really documented quite well as a component of health. And when we don't experience pleasure, we're not really open to experiencing sex that works for us. So if we think about the mind, one of the key killers of sex, I think that's what really you're asking about, is what we think. <laughs> what are we telling ourselves, right? What am I saying to myself? I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive to my partner anymore. I can't do this. Oh my God, am I going to come? <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Am I ever going to get hard? Because I'm thinking of those who identify as males, men, that when their penis isn't working, what's going on for them is they're usually stuck in a mental zone. They're usually neck up. They're usually stuck in what we call performance anxiety. Their anxious thinking is actually hijacking. They're able to be in their body. And that's where the pleasure is occurring, is in the body. Not that the mind can't produce pleasure or no pleasure, because think about fantasies, for example. Fantasies are a mental activity, right? And they can produce enormous amounts of pleasure. And without fantasy, because it's my perception that we're always in fantasy when we're in a sexual mode or a sexual act, even if it's, I wonder what my partner's going to do next, or, hmm, I've always wanted to try this and that's fantasy or oh, i'm mm. thinking about that movie we saw that really turned me on or we're watching a movie and that's a fantasy or listening to erotic stories so where the breakdowns occur can be anywhere it can be a wound from childhood it can be a wound from uh how someone regarded your your physical self when you were a young adult and you still carry that self-loathing or that body shame into the bedroom and you will never have sex with the lights on, that kind of thing. So okay. I could go on, but I want you to ask me a different question. Yeah, thank I you. Have yeah, go ahead. I have a question for you, Dr. Patty. I I work frequently with women who who are working a lot in the house they very tired, you know, tired, raising the children, cooking, yes. cleaning. They have a full-time job and their partners are not contributing much at home or with the kids. So <laughs> that is exactly how they show up in bed. And of course, they're not satisfied. Actually, they don't even feel like it. And so what would you tell to those people? 
those ladies. Well, this is a lifestyle crisis and it's ubiquitous. I have so many clients who have said the same thing that by the end of the day, when it's time for me to be with my sweetheart, my partner, my lover, my whatever you call it, there's nothing left, right? And so I, I think that it's not necessarily all gender-based, but I think traditionally it has been more women who are wives and mothers at homes who are taking care of everything because that's the socialization of females, isn't it? To take care of everything and everyone and put yourself last on the serving line of life. So what I do with my couples or females who come to me individually who might be in a relationship and the partner won't come in, that happens a lot, um, is to say, <laughs> you need me time. And however you can carve that out, because if you don't reboot the store of energies, there's nothing left for you to give. And you have to be able to be full as a vessel, even to receive, because sex is about giving and receiving energetically, physically, emotionally, verbally. However, we look at this, I look at it as energy. I look at our bodies as vessels through which the energy flows. And our genitals, our sexual anatomy are really the carriers of the energy. And you can make meaning out of that energy any way you want, whether it's love or it's stress release or it's just fun or play or pleasure. So with women who are in that situation, sometimes it takes a coach or a good clinician to really give them permission. I think that's one of the key elements that, that yeah. all of us offer our clients, yeah. which is actually based on a clinical model that was formed by a sex researcher in the 1970s, Dr. Jack Annan. And his model included these parts, P for permission, L-I for limited information, S-S, for specific suggestions and IT, not the IT you're thinking of for computers, but IT for intensive therapy or training, or as I utilize it, intensive coaching. So that model, the plicit model is actually a governing theoretical model and practical model that many, many, many sex therapists and sex coaches and sexologists use all around the world because it, it allows us to look at how do I take that client through the process to where he, she, they want to go over time. And I find that per it's really more not linear, but actually circular, that so many people need permission over and over and over again. They need to hear our voices. They need us to say, it's okay. It's natural. I don't use the word normal. I hate the word normal. It's natural to feel exhausted at the end of a day when you've had a full-time job. You've got the three kids. You prepare dinner, done the laundry, done the dishes, and your partner comes home and says, hey, honey, you ready? It's not going to happen because there's nothing left of you. So it's it really... Sometimes. It, it happens sometimes, Dr. Bhatti. Sometimes women actually sabotage themselves they put uh, their partner's needs in front of their own ones and that's how they go about what do you say that say that? that in another way i don't really understand what you mean what i mean is that sometimes their partners are wanting to play they want to have sex but they are exhausted they are tired they're worn out and they will 
satisfy their partner's needs when actually they come from an empty pot. What do you think about that? I think that that is what is negotiated through communication in any good relationship. That's something that I would coach a couple to say, why don't we have you have a conversation about what are you willing to give your partner? What part of you is left? Because there is nothing like a juicy, loving hand job, for example. Manual stimulation doesn't take a whole lot of energy. And for some people and some couples in relationship, having that sexual contact, and it's particularly true, we know this from research, fortunately or unfortunately, that sometimes those who identify as males, aka men, really need to have that physical contact in order to open up emotionally and to let go and to feel intimacy. And and it's probably not even gender-based. It's probably universal. Some humans need to have that physical closeness to feel intimacy and to relax. <laughs> and it's something that by offering something like a hand job, manual stimulation on from the partner to the male genitals to the penis, that offers a relief, a release and connection. Because you see, what couples really are looking for is to feel safe in the container of that relationship. And they're looking for connection. You can add all other kinds of words to this formula, but it depends on the moment and it depends on the individual in that relationship to say, hey, what is the meaning of this? Maybe it's to show my partner I love you. Maybe it's because you're so tired and I know this will relax you and you'll go to sleep and then I can get a good night's sleep. So that's really what I would do if I had a couple in that situation. Um, and I also think it's very important, Rebecca, to talk about consent. So we're living in a time and a world right now where the focus on consensual relating is very important. We can see it in the media, in the news, and we see it in couples' bedrooms who are not famous stars. Mm -hmm. And having the ability to say yes or no, or maybe is empowerment. And that's the perspective yeah. from which I work and I imagine you work. Because if I give that female and that relationship the permission to say, no, not now, but I'll make sure that tomorrow when you come home from work, I've taken a bath and rested, or gotcha. maybe I have a babysitter for the kids and yeah. we can go on a romantic date and then we can spend some quality time together. Because yeah. what happens is the to-do list for couples gets infinitely long. Yeah. And by the time that moment comes at the end of a very long, busy, harrowing day, there is nothing left for either of them. And pressuring your partner to do something for you is not going to enhance any relationship. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. um, I have another question I wanted to ask you uh, mm -hmm. about to get your thoughts on. Um, it's around orgasm and like the place of orgasm. And I'd love to get your thoughts because um, I think in our culture, you know, the assumption is for sex to be like completed and for it to be, to get to the end point, it's like we, we, we need to have orgasm, ideally both of us, but definitely one of us, well, yeah, both really. Um, but I've been quite influenced by a, a school of thought or a book, I don't know whether you've come across this called Cupid's Poisoned Arrow, where it ch challenges that and talks about like the role of dopamine versus oxytocin and says how the, how the effect of the orgasm isn't is quite similar in many ways to drugs, you know, how we have a high from drugs and then we have a low. 
And um, yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on the role or importance of orgasm, please. So mm. orgasm is often the problem because it creates goal-centric sex. So if I, as the person, am pressuring myself to get to orgasm, I'm probably not going to reach it. That's particularly true for women. And so making an orgasm happen or achieving an orgasm, that language has really become unpopular. And instead, what we like to say is experiencing an orgasm. And what that means is letting it happen. Because I, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I do know a little bit about the nervous system. And we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nerve pathways. And in order to experience orgasm, we have to be in the para. So what that means is we have to have let go. And also going for orgasm for, for many heterosexual couples implies he has to keep hard he has to keep going to get her to her vaginal orgasm. Nothing could be further from the truth. 90 or more percent of women that I have studied and worked with achieve the arousal pathway so they can get on that, that escalation, that ascension to the peak of orgasm really um, by having ample stimulation and it's usually clitoral. <laughs> so, you know, the, for, for female bodies, the clitoris is really the center of our sexual pleasure. And it's not the vagina. So intercourse or sexual penetrative sex, penis and vagina sex, is not a very efficient way to provoke or produce orgasm in the female partner. However, having said all that, orgasm is what produces the feel-good hormones. Now, of course, there are feel-good hormones that are released neurotransmitters along the way, such as oxytocin. That, that is, I mean, just holding your partner can actually liberate oxytocin, which is called the cuddle hormone, the bonding mm -hmm. and nurturing hormone. And we know all of us need more nurturance, more cuddling, more sense of, I'm going to go back to the word of safety. Uh, a, a lecture I recently a attended online with um, the creator of the polyvagal nerve theory, Porges, yeah. talked about what we really are all needing and going for is to feel safe in the world. Yeah. And so I, I, I pull that notion into all the work that I do and hold the space for my clients, particularly males, to be able to talk about how do you feel safe? What allows you to feel safe? What does safety mean to you? And orgasm is where so much of the scientific research has been done. I just gave a, a lecture last week on the 10 health benefits of sex. Well, they really were the health benefits of orgasm for the most part. And it's delicious. How it feels to have that completion is this extraordinary moment or moments that can cascade of letting go, of being almost in animated suspension from the physical self. And to have that is not a drug experience. That's a human experience that we can attain because we have that physiology and that anatomical capacity. So that that's my bias about what you said. 
I see. Thank you for explaining that. I love the yeah the contrast and what I'm hearing is that you're very yeah. sort of positive about orgasms being a healthy part of our sex life. So thank you for a- absolutely, explaining. but not a goal. So you see, when you differentiate it and you say, well, you're going to have sex to ha- to come, right? No, 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 no. You're going to have mm-hmm. sex to do whatever you want to to feel close to your loved one, to play, to have fun, to experience pleasure, to have self-esteem boosted because somebody is loving your body, to feel like you're in your skin and you're appreciated or you're seen, you're heard, to be intimate. Sex does not always equal intimacy. However, sex with intimacy is the most glorious sex there is. And especially in my opinion, it's my opinion, when you add in sacred. So when you view the human body and the human sexual experience as something sacred, now you have it all. That's good to expand on that. I'd love for you to say a bit more about that if you if you would. What what is it that makes it a sacred experience? What, what it what means is that? that you're you're in the present, you're knowing what is going on, you're aware, you're in yourself, and you're able to be honoring and respectful of the other. And you can almost tap into why is it that people at orgasm say, oh, God, <laughs> for example, mm-hmm. because they've transcended. And so that that feeling and that actually energetic experience of transcendence of the constraining physical body and self can liberate us to actually realize that we're we're becoming part of the oneness. When people are really connected sexually, and not everybody is, I'll say that to you, and not everybody knows how to get there, what happens is there's a sense of oneness. There's a sense of unification and unity. And that is holy. That is sacred. And I don't force my views on any client nor my values. However, I elicit that from my clients and my students to say, can you feel that? Can you know that? Can you see that? Can you allow yourself perhaps to participate in that in a different way? And there's a lot that's been written about this, a lot. You know, this is the world of Tantra. This is the world of transcendent sex. Uh, and because I'm in the process of relocation personally right now, I've been going through my vast library of books <laughs> and DVDs. And, and you know, it's it's like, oh, I remember you. There you are. And I was just looking at transcendent sex and uh, the Ramsdale's books and uh, Montakshia's books. You know, there's so many beautiful books that have been written about the spiritual dimensions of our sexuality. And I encourage everybody listening that this is something to really look into if it draws you. I am curious to know, Dr. Patti, what you think about uh, those relationships where mm, the man is addicted to porn, how that affects the relationship, what can they do about it, what is behind that? Okay, so I don't believe in the concept of sex or porn addiction. Let me be straight about that. That is a a pathologizing approach to what some of my friends and colleagues have written about, very famous book called Out of Control Sexual Behaviors by Douglas Braun Harvey. For those of you listening who want to learn more about this, he's a psychotherapist and a sex therapist who uses group work and a sexual health perspective to really help 
men for the most part overcome their compulsive sexual behavior patterns. Back to that word, patterns. When I was doing my doctoral studies a long time ago, um, my work was on porn. And so I was able to study at the time. So we're talking maybe 25 years ago, all of the research ever done on porn. And most of it was on the negative effects of porn. And I became an advocate for porn at the time. I became a feminist advocate and speaker around the positive benefits and uses of porn because it is the masses sex education, whether it's accurate or positive or not. And when someone is compulsively using porn, they do need to find a way to stop having the porn hijack their life. I have had clients like this. And as I was doing my research for my doctoral dissertation on porn, because I was, I was looking at it from a different perspective, I was doing an analysis of how would a woman director make a porn movie as opposed to a male director make a porn movie. And as I was going through 44 films in real time, using all of my research criteria, very tiring, <laughs> I realized I'm so bored. <laughs> this is so boring. This is so not erotic, not arousing. Why? Because I was using a, a, a system pre-computer analysis of documenting 65 little behaviors, I would look for, okay, are they licking a nipple? Is is he touching her clitoris? Is she licking the head of his penis? So all of this science being applied. And so I came up with this method called Code It. And mm -hmm. I've had success with that, with guys, mostly guys, who are using porn to really replace physical contact. Now, let me tell you why men do this and women, because it's non-demand, non-pressured sex. Mm -hmm. And so think about what I was saying earlier, that the pressure cooker, you know, that performance anxiety, that, that mental chatter that we might hear, like, am I going to get hard? I'm going to stay hard. Oh, does she really feel, is she going to, has she come yet? All that. Yeah, 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 yeah is performance anxiety. So again, that's somebody who's left the body. They really have exactly. left the physical self, the body where pleasure yeah. occurs and gone neck up and they're stuck in this monkey wheel. And for men who feel this pressure cooker to perform the bad P word performance, what happens is self-masturbating or self-pleasuring or using porn as an arousal mechanism. That's what it was designed for. It was designed to arouse men originally and then people. What happens is he's able to have a sexual experience with himself. But there's no pressure. There's no demand for an outcome. Now, habituating to that, not healthy, not good. So I always work with boundaries with my clients, whether they're coupled or individuals, and set agreements, set boundaries, help them set up a, a new lifestyle plan. Like you don't turn on the computer after 9 p.m. at night, or mm -hmm. you only allow yourself 20 minutes a day. There's a wonderful movie, uh, let's see, Don John, that came out many years ago. It was phenomenal. It was absolutely about a guy who masturbated to porn compulsively and then met someone whom he really liked 
and fell in love with and had a relationship with. And at night, he would sneak away and masturbate while she was sleeping. And so mm. finally, he found the appropriate clinician or therapist to help him let go of that. And part of that is getting deep down into the why. What are you really doing this for? Are you afraid that you're going to fail if you're with a partner? Do you feel such shame or are you in the loop of shame? I call it the shame loop where you do something that makes you feel shame or shameful or bad or wrong. And then you punish yourself by doing it again and again and again. That's sort of mm -hmm. the shame loop. Um, and so you need to, you need to it, snap, snap out of it. And you need to have a competent clinician help you. Does that answer it for you? Yeah, that works. That would work. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and, and I know we've got limited time today, yeah, because we're. Um, but the last question I'd love to ask you, uh, Doctor Petty, might, Rebecca might have other questions, but I wanted to ask you: What would you say are some tips or tricks that our listeners can take away if they're maybe in a long-term relationship and the it, the intimacy isn't there or maybe isn't as good as they want it to be give us some things that we could sort of take away and are going to help immediately so doing something different like saying to your partner you know what i booked a hotel for the weekend we're going away you know or let's not have sex in the bedroom let's pull out the couch and let's have sex in the living room tonight or mm. let's try something new like let's get some fun play handcuffs made of mm. rabbit fur and play with restraints just to feel something new and different or go to a a swingers party if if that calls your name whatever it is i know we're talking mm. globally so there are many 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 options out there but changing it up and people need to feel wanted so one of the things that i I get people in my couple's work to say to one another is not, I want it, meaning sex, communicating, you know, I'd like to have sex tonight, or I want it, is to say, I want you. That's a game changer to say, I want you. Because most of my couples that I work with don't feel wanted at all. And they've lost desire because they no longer feel desired. And then prioritize sex time. You have got to make it a priority. It's not going to happen if you don't prioritize it unless you're new and you've just met someone and you've got lust running through your brain, which is what happens biochemically. Uh, it's going to change. <laughs> That's what happens. We know that. Yeah. How's that? Saying, yeah, perfect. That's really simple to the point. Actionable. I, I love that. I mean, thanks a lot for your time today. Do you have any other questions? I have another question. What happens uh, with rush when some people, let's say that a couple is having sex and one of them is rushing the other one and the other one doesn't flow with rush. What do you think about this pressure? Communication. You have to know what you need, what you want, and then ask for it. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.